0: Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Wednesday, September 2nd, we are studying Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20-27. through 27. The way of wisdom is not to be taken for granted. It demands our attention, lest we veer off in another direction and find ourselves walking the way of wickedness help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's word today. We have with us regular guest Pastor John Busman. Pastor Busman serves at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Cullman, Alabama. Pastor Busman, welcome back to Sharper Iron.
1: Thanks so much. It's always always great to be with you and sharing the word of God with your listeners.
0: Pastor Busman, as we get started this morning, we find ourselves at the end of Proverbs chapter 4. We we've seen the way Solomon gets started in this book. What do we need to know about this section of the book of Proverbs and the book as a whole that will help us with the verses we've got for today?
1: Sure. You know, this is one of those things, one of those times, again, when we're used to maybe opening the Bible and and just reading through. And there are some things, especially as we get in the Old Testament that we do need to recognize about the text. Proverbs like uh, the psalms is poetry and you you can notice for the most part when the text shifts into hebrew poetry from say something like narrative when you open your bible and the text the paragraphing in the text begins to look a little bit different usually the text is from margin to margin all the way through but if you open your bibles like this morning and you look at this text you'll notice that the lines are are somewhat broken. They may go from column to column, but on some lines, there may only be one word or two words. This is the English way of showing you or telling us that the text has shifted into into poetry. And in addition to that, Proverbs is uh, what we would call uh, wisdom literature. So its intent is not necessarily to to save, but to uh, show us the way of wisdom, uh, wisdom that flows from the faith that has already been given to to us. Because even after faith is given, you know we don't just kind of sit around and do whatever we want. Uh, there there are there are ways to to live again, not to earn our salvation or you know, God has gotten us in, so you need to do X, Y, and Z to keep you in. But uh, as Jesus talks about uh, you know, bearing fruit, and, and the, Solomon here is showing us the way of uh, wisdom in this text.
0: One of the features that we've seen in this first part of the book of Proverbs, the first nine to ten chapters of the book, is that Solomon will periodically speak directly to my son or my sons. We've seen both. What's what's he doing, structurally speaking, with these addresses to his son or his sons?
1: Right, so in this section, speaking about the superior, superiority of wisdom over folly, within these first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs, there are ten specific addresses from a father to a son and they don't necessarily directly line up with the 10 commandments. Like the first address is the first commandment. The second address is the second commandment. The third address is the third commandment, so on and so forth. But they are in a way, uh, you know, 10 addresses to sons, 10 commandments. It's a complete number of, uh, of addresses. And this one, if we want to, if we want to speak more generally about it, this one is concerning keeping away from evil in general. Uh, there are a, a few lines uh, that would line up with the Eighth Commandment, specifically, uh, bearing false witness. But this is a, a more general uh, address from the Father to the Son, speaking against keeping away from evil. And this is the sixth uh, of the 10 that are mentioned in the first nine chapters than of Proverbs.
0: So, 10 addresses to sons, 10 commandments. Again, not a, a perfect parallel, but certainly there are themes within each one that can be addressed to one of those 10 commandments. We're going to be looking particularly for the eighth commandment here. Uh, before we look at the text itself, Pastor Busman, just one more thought on the form, the structure, the type of literature that we're looking at. You know, we point this out often on Sharper Iron, particularly as we looked at Proverbs, that this is wisdom literature, this is poetry. Why is that an important thing for us to keep in mind when we read the Bible? Why does it matter that it's poetry? Why does it matter that this is wisdom literature? How does that help us to interpret it correctly?
1: That's an excellent question, and and it kind of causes us to put on our you know bc ears uh, as as we're reading the old testament but but even us today when we're reading a certain uh, genre we are expecting different things so if you are uh, just reading a, a a regular narrative chapter book, you know, you're just kind of expecting the story to, to progress in a certain way, not necessarily any twists and turns. However, if you're reading an Agatha Christie novel, for example, uh, uh, and then there were none, you're expecting some mystery. You're expecting some twists and some turns and things like this. So it, it kind of uh, gives us a heads up about what to expect in the book. And even in the way we read poetry in our own day, you know that the poet is going to use maybe different phrases, maybe different words, and in English to create rhyme or something like this. Uh, Hebrew doesn't; it, it uses it uses some rhyme, but that's not the normal uh, structure of, of Hebrew poetry. Hebrew mostly uses something called parallelism where and and it does this in a lot of different ways sometimes the two lines next to each other will basically be saying the same thing with different words other times we'll see a line define uh, more clearly what the what the line before it was speaking or was saying the one thing that i appreciate about about poetry is you know when we're in the parish and we or translating Hebrew for an Old Testament text, or Bible class, or, or whatever the case may be, you know, if we're reading Genesis, or Exodus, or, or normal narrative, we just kind of blitz through it, so long as we remember our vocabulary, we, we can kind of read through it very quickly, but because poetry uses words that are not so normal, say, instead of house, it may use the word abode, you know, something that's only used maybe five or six times in the entire Old Testament. It forces us to look those words up, and it forces us to read more slowly, more carefully, more diligently, and it really opens up that passage uh, to show the, the, the carefulness that the author is taking in the way he is writing and, and it really just like poetry that we would read today. It shows us the the deep beauty uh, of the text.
0: I, I think the way a poet poetry works it just generally does that. Not only does it force us to slow down, but poetry paints pictures. One of the things that I've tried to do during this study of Proverbs is to look for the picture that's being painted. As you mentioned, in a narrative, when it's recounting this happened and then this happened and then this person did that and that person said this, that picture is painted for you as you imagine that narrative in in your mind. With poetry, it's a different sort of, of picture that's being painted, or at least a different way of painting a picture, and it really engages your imagination. It does force you to slow down and to consider the the beauty of the words the importance of the words. And it, it really, that recognition does help us to to take this text and to understand it in a different way than you would understand a narrative. And that's just an important recognition, as you were saying, so that you're not looking for something that the author isn't intending. Any more introductory comments or response to that, Pastor Busman? before we jump into these verses?
1: Sure. I want to encourage your listeners that that as as you read the text... Uh, in just a, a few moments out loud, listen to, there are ten addresses to the sons. and even within these short verses here in Proverbs chapter four, you're going to hear uh, ten specific uh, body parts that are mentioned. Some of them are mentioned twice, but you're going to hear ten body parts. and 10, as we as, as people may have may have heard and known before, is a complete number. So you have ten addresses. Uh, Ten commandments, ten body parts. You you have this number right in front of our eyes. This, wrapped up here, even in these short, short verses, is a complete teaching uh, from father to son concerning the way of wisdom.
0: All right. So, Proverbs 4, verses 20 through 27. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let the... Let them not escape from your sight, keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, and for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward, and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure." Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Let your foot, sorry, turn your foot away from evil. That's Proverbs 4, verses 20 through 27. So Pastor Busman, that first verse, verse 20, starts off with that address to the son, my son, and then it's be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. We see some of that parallelism that you're talking about earlier there in verse 20.
1: Right. So you get this, you get this command, you know pay attention. Uh, Pay attention here. My son, be attentive to my words. And then being attentive to my words is further clarified by incline your ear uh, to my sayings. Uh, Those who grew up with the, uh, the King James version or who are looking at it right now will remember this phrase as incline thine ear. Right. And this is where the imagery really starts to come in, because it's one thing to say, pay attention. But it's another thing to say, incline that ear, almost raise up, you know, raise up your ear, this this movement. Uh, And and again, the very beginning, listen, pay attention, because in the scriptures, we hear of the difference uh, when people do not pay attention. And it's a drastic, drastic difference, as again, we see in the book of Proverbs. There's the way of wisdom, there's the way of foolishness, and they lead to drastically different places. Just a couple of of notes here. One is from uh, the book of the prophet Zechariah, when he speaks of those who have not inclined thine ear. He says in chapter 7, verse 11, but they refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears that they might hear. So the flip side of of inclining on ear is not just not listening. It's intentionally stopping up the ears. And then he goes on to say, therefore, great anger came from the Lord of hosts. The other place is probably a little more familiar uh, to, to people. It comes from uh, the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 7, and it's after uh, those seven are chosen to serve Stephen, one of those stands up and he, he reiterates everything that, uh, that the Old Testament has to say. It says it, it's all coming to a fulfillment in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and right after he gives this witness to Jesus, the text says, verse 54 of chapter 7, Now when they had heard these things, they were, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God and then here they go on verse 57 that they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him and of course then they, they they murder him they they stone him so the difference of inclining the ear the way of wisdom is the 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 action of stopping up the ears the way of folly which uh, which leads to death mm-hmm
0: those those two parallel passages that you brought out from Zechariah 7 and Acts 7 where you get the the actual picture of stopping up your ears so i don't know i don't know if we are to think that those religious leaders who had rejected Stephen's speech literally like and they wouldn't have had cotton balls i suppose but i'm not sure if that we're supposed to think that they they literally stuffed cotton balls in their ears or not but that that is the picture that's painted that they they literally shut their ears to what was being preached i think that that really speaks to what Solomon is getting at here in Proverbs 4, the idea of, of being attentive and and this idea of inclining your ear, paying careful attention, not simply taking it for granted. It, it is very easy for us to be around the hearing of the Word of God. And I, I mean, I know I'm guilty of this, where I'll, I'll have, say, another Bible study from KFUO playing in the background while I'm doing something else, and am I really paying attention to it? Not always. Now, now that's not to say that I'm, I'm actively stopping up my ears when I'm doing that. But if I do begin to make a habit of not giving the Word of God my full attention and just sort of letting it play in the background, I do more and more put myself at risk at falling into what Zechariah is talking about, what Luke records there in Acts chapter 7, of this actively stopping up my ears, which is definitely the way of foolishness. And so I think, I mean, this picture that Solomon gets us, gives us here in proverbs 4 helps us to see how when we stop taking the word of god seriously when we simply take it for granted and just listen more passively and not actively listening where that path is going to lead us down this way of folly
1: right and it is a dangerous path and it's a you know it's a slippery slope in in the beginning i mean you could you could even consider uh, attending the divine service right and you're there. Your intention is good to be there. And we stand up to to read the scriptures and even think about, uh, dare I say, being pastors in the church and standing mm. before our people, reading reading the words on the page to our people that they pay attention to them. And where where are our minds? You know, hopefully it's on the word. Hopefully we're still inwardly digesting them as as we hear them. But you know, can can we say that? Can we say that all the time? And, and God help us. Uh, hopefully, hopefully so. And if not, that that we would uh, that we would repent and and, uh, and and open our ears, unstop our ears, and, and continue to continue to, uh, to to hear and inwardly digest the word that is coming to us.
0: For sure, we're mixing our metaphors here. I think Pastor Busman, but but then, as you pointed out, <laughs> Solomon talks about different body parts. So we've got we've got inclining our the, our ears to the Lord's word here. As the text continues in verse twenty one, now we we shift to the the eyes, the sight, and also then the heart. And I I was trying to count the the various body parts. I'm not sure if I got them all necessarily, but I think there's this is now two and three right. We've got ear in in verse twenty, and now we've got sight and Heart in verse
1: twenty-one, right? And some of these some of these body parts are duplicated, and that that's included in the ten. Uh, yeah, so so we have let them let them not depart from your eyes. And again, notice the language that's being used. Uh, let them not escape from your sight. Not not uh, don't look at them. Right? It's kind of a simple narrative statement would be, but let them not depart from your eyes and then to further clarify that this is how the parallelism comes in with verse 21 further clarifying the statement is keeping them within your heart so what is so there's the connection between what is seen and and then what is and then what is uh, what is in our in our heart and that's one of those words that I feel like every time comes up we're kind of pulling back and saying, no, the heart's not the way we think of the heart uh, today. And, and it's true, but, but I do think we need to meditate on this and, and be careful when we do speak, because part of the way the Hebrews view the heart is still emotional, but it's, but it's not only emotional. We tend to, to attach the heart only to emotions today. There's some of that there with an attachment to joy and fear and, and even despair uh, but it's also the the intellectual source of insight and evaluation, and they they also see it as the as the place where of, of the human will uh, lies lies within within the heart. So those things, so those things are important. But the connection between the heart and the eye here in the twenty first verse is is, a, is an important connection for us.
0: Hmm. I, I think I'm reminded as you're talking about that connection of the heart and the eyes brought to mind some of the things that Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount, where he's talking about don't lay up treasures for yourself on earth, because that's where moth and rust destroy, lay up treasures for yourself in heaven, where those things don't happen. And then he says, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And then he starts talking about the eye. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And then he goes on and talks about no one can serve two masters. He's either going to hate one and love the other, or or the reverse. And you can't serve God and money. Is the way that Jesus wraps that section up. That's in Matthew six. This connection between what we what we're looking at and what's in our heart, and even going back to the ears as well in verse twenty, all of this is is pointing us to the matter of. I mean, to, you're talking about we're going to talk about the eighth commandment in a little bit, but I think a lot of this is directing us toward the first. Where is our God? Who is our God? Where is our trust?
1: Right. And this is the move. This is the move Luther makes. Right. I mean, I, I feel like every time I teach the Ten Commandments in, in catechism or, or wherever, you start teaching a commandment and how quickly you do wind up back at the first, just like Luther and his explanations. We should fear and love God so that we should fear and love God so that it always winds up back at the first. Because Any anything, any kind of evil, any kind of deviation from the path as is we'll, is we'll hear Ultimately, does go back to the first because we put something, someone else, uh, in the place in the place of God. Our eyes have gone someplace else, uh, our ears have been stopped up, whatever the case may be. Mm.
0: The other the other thing that comes to mind with the talk of the heart, you know, there's and I don't know if people actually do still say this or not, Pastor Bustman, but the you you I've heard this in graduation speeches in the past, you know, something like follow your heart. Follow your, which I think maybe is like follow your dreams, but follow your heart. Do what is in your heart. Now, as, as Christians, I mean, we, we know what Jesus says about the heart. For example, in, in Matthew 15, it's out of the heart that come all of these evil things, which I think it's why one of the reasons why Solomon is imploring his son to put this wisdom, these words within his heart, because if that's not in his heart, what's going to be coming out of his heart all of this all of this evil all of these various sins which again goes to this matter of idolatry as well when our when our heart is not right then everything that comes out of it is also going to be not right it's not until the lord fixes our hearts through the through the gospel that the wisdom can find a home there and that that good things can come forth
1: and not only fixing our heart but as we as we sing in, in the liturgy, create in me a clean heart, you know, create in me. Uh, and, you know, in the, in the service of the sacrament, you know, lift up your hearts. Well, why in the world would we, would we do that? You know, are we trying to reach up to bring God down us? No, we're lifting those things up because they're, they're filthy and disgusting. We need God to do something, uh, do something with them, right? Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick who can understand it? And, and he, he's absolutely, he's absolutely right. Of course, you know, Jesus is too. And I know there, I know Jeremiah and Jesus are are very thankful to have my approval uh, that (laughs) that, that, that their, that their words are, that their words are true, but, but it's the way, the way people have come to generally speak about the heart, like follow your heart and it's, it's going to get you, it's going to get you in trouble rather the way you know we speak, and the scriptures speak about the heart, and not that we're so doomed and just you kind of sit in the dark corner and and let life pass us by because there's no hope. But, but we do have hope. Right? We have we have hope in the God who does create in us uh, a clean heart, as He did for David after his after his adultery with Bathsheba and murder of Uriah the Hittite, and and that as we as we gather for. The sacrament of the altar and, and lift up our hearts to god that he he joyfully receives them and and grants us life and life anew
0: and all of this i think these just these two verses where, where you go from ears to eyes to heart are a reminder of something that we've been seeing all along here in the book of proverbs that this wisdom these words have to come from the outside of us. They don't start there in our hearts. They come from the outside. We hear them. We, we see with our eyes the words of God on the, on the page in the scriptures, and that's how they get in. If we, if we try to reverse the order, as, as we've been talking about, we, if we look within first, we'll only find all of this darkness and evil. It's only when the the words go through the ears, through the eyes, and into the heart that's, that's the right order. I mean, just to think of uh, the way Paul puts it in Romans 10, faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. And, and Solomon's got that same order here in mind throughout the book, and particularly again here in these verses.
1: He does. And, and too, as you, as you examine other prophets, prophets like Isaiah, they associate uh, deafness and, and blindness with idolatry. And, and you know this kind of flows off this same thing from Solomon here that if you're if you're if you're stopping up your ears and if you're closing your eyes, uh, there there's no way to to first of all hear the word and and uh, and see. So there's a reason that it's associated with uh, with idolatry. Jesus will do the same thing in John chapter nine when he heals the man who was born blind and and the healing takes place in what the first two or three verses there. And then the rest of that entire chapter has the Pharisees running this way and that, you know, to the man, to his family, wondering what in the world has just happened. This can't be happening. This can't be happening. But again, you kind of see the trajectory of the text. What do they do? Well, they, they don't want to hear Jesus. And in the end, they're the ones who become blind not physically blind but spiritually blind because they cannot see the acts uh that their lord jesus is is doing and that they are the very acts of god Mm -hmm. yeah
0: the the lord comes with his word to open our ears open our eyes through that word which is what you're listening to here on sharper iron we're going to take a short break but we'll be right back please stick around Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Wednesday, September 2nd. We're looking at Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 27. We've got Pastor John Busman with us. He serves at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Coleman, Alabama. Pastor Busman, prior to the break, we were looking at the first two verses where Solomon speaks of the way that attention to the words of the Lord, inclining our ears keeping them within our sight, leads to those words implanting within our heart by faith. And Solomon continues then that this is such good news that God's word would be in our heart because those words are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Take us into verse 22.
1: Okay, thanks. They are they are life. And as again, to bring in the larger context, I guess, of Proverbs, you see the, the way of wisdom does lead to life the way of folly. Uh, leads to to death and to destruction, but he's very very clear here. Uh, there for flow it uh, their life to to all to all flesh here. Uh, so again, wisdom leads to life and ultimately leads to uh, to healing for for the entire body and not necessarily some you know faith healing sort of healing, but again, where our hope ultimately lies in the resurrection of, of all flesh. So wisdom leads to life, leads to healing for the entire body. And and just before the break, we were talking about, uh, you know, Jesus's life. And as he, you know, he, he comes and he heals very specific, uh, very specific people. Some of those are are people who are deaf. Some of those are people who are blind. And as we move forward, and Jesus of course is wisdom personified right wisdom uh, in the flesh and as he goes about preaching teaching uh, repentance right for the for the kingdom of, of heaven is is at hand and giving life through the forgiveness of sins giving physical healing but ultimately again through uh, through the forgiveness of sins through faith gives life and, and life leading to the resurrection of the dead and life everlasting. So this is literally, you know, when Jesus gets in his ministry, literally all of these things start taking place right before right before the eyes of the people. The poetry, the imagery, literally is walking and talking and doing these very things for, for the people.
0: Yeah, the, I, the ministry of Jesus can be very clearly seen there in verse 22. And, and how often did Jesus heal with his words, very specifically with his words. Certainly there were a a number of ways that Jesus accomplished the miracles that he did. Sometimes he did engage his his touch or, or other elements, but so often... It just was a word, and yet through that word came healing. And I, I appreciate the way that you, you talked about it. This is, it's not only a healing of the soul. Certainly it is in the forgiveness of sins, but it is also a healing of the body. And, and we do experience that in part today. Those who were healed by Jesus experienced it right then and there from his words. We've talked about previously in the book of Proverbs, when we do walk the way of wisdom, There are temporal blessings to this. We do receive temporal blessings. For example, obeying our parents generally makes this life go better. Not murdering people makes this life go better. Not stealing from everyone makes this life go better. So there are physical temporal blessings, but all of this ultimately does find its fulfillment in the resurrection of the dead. That's where this healing of all flesh that's being talked about will find complete fulfillment that we will enjoy forever, body and soul together.
1: Right, yeah, and the other, the, the healing in the whole body you, you know, takes me to thinking of the lepers, and oh, what does Jesus say? He says, "Go," and as they went, they were cleansed. Uh, so it's just such a such a powerful image, and and again, you know, Proverbs is is one of those books that you know, when when is the last time that that we picked up our scriptures and and turned to the book of Proverbs, and and you know, outside of when it appears in the lectionary it's just not typically not one of those books i don't think that people pick up and read but again it's one of those books that when we see jesus in his ministry and we, and we're well versed in proverbs you say oh there yeah, there there actually is a reason that, that jesus is doing it doing it this way and and that deaf person or that blind person this is not just a random occurrence that jesus's steps are you know, are in order. There's something to John the Baptist actually preparing his way maybe. So everything begins to fall in order and, and get more color and get more life to it as we as we read.
0: And in particular with the book of Proverbs and we've we've talked about this at other times on Sharper Iron that the book of Proverbs often suffers from the temptation or I should say we suffer from the temptation going into the book of Proverbs looking for these one or two liners that we pull out of the book and memorize or use. And not that that's, I'm not saying that that's bad, but if we only do that with the book of Proverbs, we miss this larger picture, particularly in these first nine chapters. I've, I've seen it so often, where we do see Jesus and his ministry, and even the resurrection of the dead, which is not generally what we think of with the book of Proverbs. Generally we think of, or at least I know I do, I think of, you know, wisdom for this life, and that's there, certainly. But that wisdom that's here in the book of Proverbs is so much bigger than that. As you were saying, it points us to wisdom made flesh, Jesus Christ, which, again, we're seeing here in this verse.
1: Right. I mean, that's every everything everything at some point needs to be able to get to Jesus because this is, this is the way Jesus speaks of the scriptures, right? They all testify. They all testify to me. And yes, there is a way to walk. There is a way to live. And that's expected of, of us as, as God's people, but you know, how many times, even before we take the first step, do we stumble and fall? So to see the one who has fulfilled all of this, to coming to us not not standing at the top of the hill saying oh get back up and try a little harder this time but but the one who who comes to us to to carry us along to forgive us to to heal us is 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 what it's all about
0: solomon continues then in verse 23 keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life so now again just to, to follow the picture that solomon's been painting for us here the words have gone into the ears, they've been kept in sight and into the heart because that word brings life. And now the encouragement is to keep that heart, to to guard it with vigilance because now something's flowing from it, the springs of life. There, it, its I mean, you've got the, it's not a reversal of the picture, but the picture just continues to be drawn here by Solomon.
1: Right. A gift is given uh, through the word through wisdom, and and this guarding and keeping is a very, very, it's one of those words that's used very often in the Old Testament, and a lot of the time we see it with uh, guarding or keeping the word, guarding or keeping the Torah, the instruction or training that has been given, and in order to guard or keep, you know, you don't just, you know, we, we tend to think maybe of guarding and keeping as tucking something away in a dark corner in a safe somewhere so that so that no one can 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 find it, but the guarding is is what seems to be more of an uh, an acting. Um, I don't I don't know really how to an active I guess way of you know you've got something and kind of stand guard, not so that nobody else, not so that you you can't share or do anything like this, but but you don't want this thing to be taken away hmm. from you. Because this is life and life itself, so guard it and and defend it. Guard it and and keep it for it is it is life.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's it's not like it's not like a safety deposit box where you you store it away in there and then you never look at it again or you only go right. get it when you need it. But it is your, I think a, uh, the idea of you know not escaping from your sight, keeping it within your heart. To, to go back up to the imagery from twenty one, the idea is it's your your constant companion that you're always making use of it I, I'm not sure what what to compare it to I, I can say that the negative not a safety deposit box not the the treasure chest that's buried somewhere and you don't make use of but it's it's always there with you always at your side you're always using it um, and, and it's and I think that you know this verse does speak to that because it is flowing it says from it from your heart now that has been filled with this life-giving word of God from it flow the springs of life. And and now it's I mean I think this is it, I, I'm just noticing this more as we're studying it right now. But the, the picture again, well, where does Solomon take us next? As this spring of life flows forth from the heart, filled with the word of God, where does that where does that happen? It happens now from the lips, and, and Solomon will say in verse 24, put away from you crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. So the the word that has gone into you. And given life to your heart, now flows forth from the heart in the way that you speak. Take us into verse twenty-four.
1: Sure, I love this phrase as it is as it is written. Uh, you know, we can talk about uh, perverse speech. Uh, we can call it that. That's that's not a bad not a bad translation or word there, but literally and you know why translators tend to clean these things up a little bit, but literally uh, turn away the crookedness of your mouth. And again, poetry, you get this imagery here, turn away the crookedness. And we're going to hear about the right and the left in a minute, but you know, there's the way, the way, the path of the wise, there's the way in the path of the fool, way in the path of God, and the way in the path of, of the devil, and the devil is you know first introduced to us in the pages of the scriptures as the as the serpent the devil the ancient serpent in the garden and the serpent moves uh, not straight along but moves this way and that to the left and to the right a uh, very crooked creature so keep away turn away the crookedness of your mouth and this is the very thing the devil does he he is a liar and the father of lies. He does not tell the truth. James brings this up in uh, in James chapter three and talks about how how deceitful uh, our tongue is. How how small, you know, the the, the flame of fire can set an entire forest uh, ablaze. And this is this is this is the way the devil does things, right? Did God actually say he twists? Things with his words, and and uh, we are encouraged here in the text to turn away the crookedness from our mouth. Don't don't speak. Don't do things like the devil does. Right. Oh. That's that's the wrong way. We do things the way of of wisdom, the way of life, the way of of God.
0: Hmm. This this verse, I think Pastor Busman, as we to bring us back to where we'd started today, when it the ten speeches to the ten son or. 10 speeches to the sons in the book of Proverbs, 10 commandments. You mentioned that particularly we're going to see some eighth commandment stuff. This would be one of those places where the eighth commandment would be in view.
1: This is uh, certainly absolutely and and we hear this often you know as pastors too and um, and and as we see an increased online presence and social media and all this i i I can hear it now well i didn't say it i just typed it you know but (laughs) it's all it's all the same it's all the same thing it's it's um, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor we are told not to not to tell lies not to slander but we are to uh explain everything in the kindest way right even even if you know, you, you can say somebody's a jerk or, or whatever. We we are still to to uplift and, and explain things um in a way that is that is pleasing to God. But again, like, like James says in chapter three, how how large a, a blaze can set be set just by the smallest flame. And this is this is the way our our tongue is. You brought it up earlier, uh, you know, out of the heart come all of these things, right? Out of and the, the heart is revealed in what comes what comes out of our mouth, what we are confessing with, with our mouth. Mm,
0: right, yeah. And I think uh, this also speaks to that, well, how did, how did that get into my heart in the first place? It goes back to, well, what, what am I listening to? What am I keeping in my eyes? So that I, I think verse 24, you know, the, the crookedness of the mouth in the first part deals with my own words, But I wonder if the second half of this verse, the put devious talk far from you, also would be a reminder of, pay attention to what you're listening to as well, because that's going to be putting words into your heart. And again, if if you're putting life into your heart, well, then life is going to come out of your mouth. But if you're not putting life into your heart through what you're hearing, then you're not going to have life coming out.
1: Right. So it's not only what we're doing and saying, but you know, the, the, the crowd around. And, and again, I just, I just gave a presentation this last week where you can go off the deep end on the other side too, where, you, you know, these, you have negative people in your life just eliminate the negative people kind of, kind of thing, almost like this, this pros like you're trying to prosper yourself or whatever. But again, what's the goal? The goal is to, is to not only be driven to repentance, but to drive others to repentance um, and that's that's a way that we can encourage one another and still put devious talk away from us is by uh using the word to uh, using the word for what it what it's for to to uh, in some cases rebuke you know mm-hmm. reprove and, uh, and and to lead others to repentance to bring people back into the way of of wisdom in that matter mm.
0: verse 25 then takes us back focuses our attention on the eyes again. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Here we come more specifically to that language of the way or the path that you've been bringing out, Pastor Bussman. The way of wisdom, Solomon says, look forward, look straight. The the path is not this crooked talk, but it is a straight path right
1: in front of you. Exactly. Let your eyes look, look straight not crooked parallel then to that next line let your gaze uh, be be straight Uh, the the imagery here gets gets a little more vivid uh, than that it talks about almost the image of the flying of the eyelids the Mm -hmm. fluttering or or blinking of the eyes is it almost carries with it an image of becoming distracted and and I really like this for for today because we are such an easily easily distracted culture, uh, whether whether we have a Bible study on in the background or we we always are trying to do multiple things, multitask, and all of this. But the path is straight ahead, as uh, as the text tells us and. It, it, it turns into a problem when we when we begin to deviate as as we'll as we'll move forward. Uh, but such a path uh, as Isaiah says in 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 chapter forty, uh, prepare the way of the Lord. The way has been prepared, and um, it all falls apart when we begin to to turn our eyes this way and and that.
0: Hmm. Yeah, th- yeah. I mean, how many? If if it weren't for the fact that I'm calling you on my phone right now to do this recording who knows how many times I might have looked at my phone right I mean this this fluttering of our eyelids I think is a fantastic picture to keep before us as as the opposite of what Solomon directs us toward that that the eyes are to look straight to be focused again not to take the word of God for granted to to go back to the imagery we were speaking of at the beginning that we actually the word demands our attention it's it's not something to just be lightly listened to or and then cast aside but it it demands our attention it it sets our feet straight and if our eyes aren't looking where we're going we're going to to stumble jesus talks and i know that the imagery here is not is not light and darkness we have seen that in other places but jesus does talk that way about your your foot stumbling in the darkness but but walking and without stumbling without when you've got the light Um, and and so again now in, in verse 26 solomon writes ponder the path of your feet then all your ways will be sure and verse 27 do not swerve to the right or to the left turn your foot away from evil so more of of the pathway imagery ponder the path of your feet all your ways will be sure take us into verse 26
1: Sure, and I and I got a little bit ahead of myself uh, before uh, with with the path, right? Isaiah forty, prepare the way of the Lord, make make straight his paths, and as Jesus comes, and he 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 does, the path is there, and he he further digs out that path uh, for us with with his very cross, uh, Psalm twenty three speaks about the paths of righteousness the ruts the, the trenches of righteousness and they were they were dug out dug out by Christ and he has placed us there uh, even even as we were in in baptism and it's you know we really have to really have to wiggle and turn and squirm to get out but some somehow some way we we find our way out because we i guess we think it's going to be more fun uh, on the other side uh, chasing after whatever we want to chase after, but make level, uh, make level the path of your feet, uh, not crooked, but straight, straight away. That's the way of wisdom and all ways can be sure on, when on a level road and with our eyes straight ahead, right? If it's a level road, a straight road, and our eyes are straight ahead, uh, you know, these things will, you know, this is the way of wisdom. Mm. Uh, and then verse twenty, sorry, verse twenty-seven. Uh, you know, do not bend. You know, no, no deviation, no deviation from that at all. That's that's what we're encouraged at the end. Mm.
0: Uh, one of our one of our previous guests uh, pointed out that the reason that our feet can be sure on these on this path of wisdom, isn't isn't because of our ability to walk it it's because of the path itself that that when we walk the path that the Lord has given this way of wisdom, that path is smooth. That path has been made level. And anytime we start to veer from that path, whether it is to the right or to the left, it doesn't matter how well we think we can walk. We are going to stumble and fall. We are going to walk in the wrong direction because of the path itself. And there's, there's no amount of, of our own ingenuity or our merit or worthiness, if I can use that language, that's going to make those paths lead us in the right direction. It is only the path that is level and prepared by the Lord that we can walk in this sure-footed way because the path is good itself.
1: Absolutely. and we see you know in other I know I know we may be again mixing images but when we see the image of the vineyard you see that God the effort he goes to to clear it of stones right He wants to make sure that every everything is just the way it needs to be everything is is perfect uh, then for for his people but we we do in our in our own sinful nature uh, almost the sin the sin of the garden right when we see Things are pleasing to the eye or desire to make one wise, right? There it is. We we seek wisdom from someplace else. (laughs) We see it, and we want it, and we've got to have it, and we go after it, and and things don't don't turn out the best. Mm.
0: That final verse about not swerving to the right or the left— I think it's a reminder of how near at hand the danger truly is. There is this path. Jesus calls it a, a narrow path or a narrow door that we enter through. And, and whether you're on the right or the left of that, the danger is, is very near. Uh, recently, I've been reading The Hobbit to my oldest son and, and in, that, in that book, there's a scene where Bilbo and his dwarves, the companions he's got, are going through the the forest of Mirkwood, and they are told, stay on the path. Don't deviate from the path. Uh, of course, they do, as, as happens in many books. They don't listen to this advice, and they, they do, and they get into all kinds of trouble. That's how near the danger is for them in this forest. And so it is for us. When we are walking on the path of wisdom, the danger is on either hand. It it is only on this path that the Lord has given, the Lord has set for us, and made smooth. Only on that path are we safe.
1: God, such a such a great image, and and again, you know, it's one of those things that that uh, makes those books so well and and so so good and so engaging for us. I mean, it's all it's all biblical imagery, you know. So mm. interesting, interesting image there from the Hobbit.
0: So Pastor Buston, we've got about three minutes here on on the morning as you reflect on these verses from uh, Proverbs for uh, draw them together for us, summarize and use them to point us to Christ our Savior.
1: Sure. Uh, we are encouraged here with different body parts, the eyes, the ears, uh, with our legs to, to look, to hear, to walk in the light of the gospel because they are life and they are they are healing. Uh, unfortunately, as as many of you out there know, this is not always what is necessarily seen. You know, we 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 live in this world where oftentimes it's not the one who is wise who succeeds necessarily by earthly standards, but it looks like the fool is the one who gets ahead. But we continue to keep that word in our eyes, in our ears, uh, and 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 walking along that path because the ultimate healing. The ultimate healing comes for us when our bodies are restored and the resurrection of the dead in the life of the world to come. So especially as we face these days, uh, several of you, many of you are still remaining in isolation. Keep your eyes open uh, to the word. Uh, Otherwise, if they deviate, all you're going to see is turmoil. All you're going to see is chaos. Keep your ears open to that same word, because if it's not, all you're going to hear is, is hatred. Uh, those are the things of the fool, the way of the wise. The things of these texts leads to Christ our Lord, leading to life and life everlasting.
0: Pastor John Busman is the pastor at Saint Paul's Lutheran Church in Coleman, Alabama, helping us this morning with Proverbs chapter four, verses twenty through twenty-seven. Pastor Busman, thanks for being our guest today.
1: I appreciate it. Good to talk to you again.
0: Ears open to the word of god eyes fixed on christ crucified and risen for us this is the wisdom that solomon gives to us that through this word of god he would put into our hearts so that through that word we would have life and that life would overflow from that heart into our speech and life as we walk on this path that our lord jesus christ has set for us a smooth path leading to everlasting life in him